All right, welcome to another extra podcast from Northview Community Church. My name is Sarah Friesen, and I'm a pastoral intern with the Women's Department and an Immersed student here. And today we're going to be talking about Christians and work. And I have three guests. I have specifically chosen them because they have interesting work history. And so they are going to introduce themselves and talk a little bit about their history with work. So Trevor, you're going to go first. Thank you, Sarah. My name is Trevor Thronus, and uh, I have an interesting work history. I, I worked my way through college on a farm, and then, um, and then I uh, went through my college years and became a pastor. So I was a youth pastor for seven years. And then I left that, and I worked for a multinational for another seven years in a whole variety of roles. And then I went out on my own, and I've done uh, my own thing for almost 15 years. What's your own thing? Well, today I work with companies that are in fast growth, from $2 million to $2 billion, and I work with them in a whole variety of areas, but the most important one ends up being with people issues. So they've got all sorts of issues, but it's rooted in people. So getting the people stuff is is pretty important, and so that's what I spend my days doing. Okay, we had an immersed class last year, and your book was assigned to us. Oh, my your book for a second. <laughs> oh my yeah. I'm sorry about that. No, it's good. <laughs> that's painful. We read it as pastors, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's it called? It's called The Power of People Skills. Okay. And like, do you come to church all by yourself or do you have a family or? Uh, yes, I have the family, okay. Sarah. Thank yeah. you. Uh, yeah. So I've got, uh, we've got four kids, two boys and two girls, and we've been at Northview for eight or nine years, okay. something like that. Yeah. And some people might know your wife, Jen. Right. From Thursday morning precept studies. Yeah. So my wife's a precept teacher. I play guitar, you know, after a fashion and, uh, you know, I'm an usher a little bit and do things here and there. And I also do some strategic planning with the church. Great. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming. Thalia. Yes, I'm one of the pastors here on staff in the care department, work alongside Paul Siemens and Vic Schellenberg. And I've been here almost seven years now. So before that, I'm trained in counseling. I, long time ago, 1995, got my master's degree in counseling from Trinity Western University. And when you start out as a counselor, you have to do piecemeal work. It's like a day here, three days here, a contract, a mat leave, something. So I worked in abuse and addictions and mental health primarily. Those were the three roles I did. And then when we had small children, I did private work and I was a stay-at-home mom for a lot of years until they entered the school system. And then I shifted over to helping Mark with his work. He's an accountant. That's my husband. And I volunteered a lot in the schools. I loved it. So that was a huge um, job for me, I would call it, without pay. And I did a little private work as well just to keep my skills up. And then seven years ago, I was asked to join Northview. So I get to use my counseling skills here now, which is incredible because I can read the Bible and pray with people, which, of course, you can't do in the secular field. And we'll talk about that more later, I'm sure. Great. Thanks. Kevin. Yeah. So I'm uh, Kevin Peters, one of the elders here at Northview. And my job arc uh, is a little interesting, I suppose. Uh, Coming out of high school, I was looking towards some type of full-time pastoral ministry is kind of where I was thinking I was heading. God was calling me, and we can maybe talk a little bit about calling a little later. But um, in that process, I I was really gaining a burden for unreached peoples, and I wanted to, uh, so then I shifted to, I wanted to be a missionary to unreached peoples. I wanted to bring the gospel message to those who had not had the opportunity to hear And as I started kind of doing some research about how I would go about doing that, different agencies, different ways people can be missionaries, uh, I came across stories of aviation ministries, agencies that were using planes to transport evangelists into geographically isolated areas uh, to bring the gospel. And I thought, well, that's just a really interesting way to do missions, I thought. 
And so I started talking with agencies and I was thinking, yeah, I want to be a, a missionary pilot maybe. And uh, in conversation with agencies, they were saying, well, we have bases that aren't functioning because no one will fix the planes. Everyone wants to be a pilot. No one wants to be the mechanic. And, uh, and I said, well, I had no mechanical uh, aptitude at, at, the mo- at the time. I'd never Which is touched- a problem working on planes, <laughs> really. Is, yes, I had never it's touched a, a wrench, to be honest with you. <laughs> scary. It was. So, uh, but I said, well, if that's where the need is, I'm willing to give it a shot. And I went and did my basic training in northern BC. And eventually I apprenticed and I became a licensed helicopter uh, mechanic. And I signed up with an agency called Heli Mission based out of Switzerland. And my family and I, my, my wife originally went over without kids, but Erin's my wife. And some of you probably know her voice more than you know mine because she has done a fair number of podcasts uh, here at Northview. But uh, anyways, we went over uh, to the country of Madagascar and we served as missionaries there. I, f- I was in charge of fixing two helicopters that we used primarily to transport evangelists into geographically isolated areas so that people could preach the gospel and give them an opportunity to hear. We did that for seven years. We came back to Canada in 2007, and I plugged back in uh, using my same skills down at the Abbotsford Airport. I work for a, uh, a flight training school. I run the maintenance department for that school, and uh, I've been there now since uh, it, for, for that company since 2010. And I had uh, quite a few questions, though, about what, what does that mean now that I'm a helicopter mechanic in Canada? Am I still a missionary? Right. And we may or may not have a chance to get uh, to that, but uh, I imagine it'll come out in some different ways. Yeah, and we see you around here a lot because you're yeah. on a missions committee and you give your yeah. expertise from your years of missions work. Yeah, and- still very passionate about getting the gospel out to the unreached people for sure. Great. Did you say that you're one of our elders? I am, yes. Okay. Yes, he did. I oh, he did. Right I missed it. Yeah. Right at the beginning, and I yes. missed it. Oh, yeah. sorry. So <laughs> for me, prior to becoming um, a student here at Northview and a pastoral intern, um, I was a stay-at-home mom for a lot of years. I've got three kids, and before that, I was an elementary school teacher. People are often surprised to hear that. Um, but yeah, I loved kids, and I loved teaching them, and I thought I would do it for a lot of years. And then I started teaching the Bible to women and started to love that a lot. So that kind of led one thing to another, and I am here at Northview a lot and with my head in the books a lot, and that's been a huge transition for my Mm -hmm. family, Um, yeah, to be Mm -hmm. busy. My husband's busy with his job. He's worked with Trevor before, and he travels a lot, so I'm a stay-at-home mom, student, pastoral worker. (laughs) My wife actually has a very similar story to yours. Teacher and, you know, sort of full-time volunteer kind of thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you never know. Where are you going to kind of end up? I know. kind of cool. Yeah. So we've talked about a few words. We've thrown some words out here like ministry and job and career. Um, You're going to hear these words throughout. And just to kind of be consistent, job, career, stay-at-home mom, all those things we're kind of lumping together. Anything that you spend time doing, working for other people, serving, if you're volunteering, Mm -hmm. Don't think we're not talking about you because we say job or career. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Say? Okay. Well, one of the things we like to do on podcasts is give a biblical view of what we're talking about. Yeah. So we're going to start with that. We're going to talk about the biblical view of work. And as Christians, if we believe in the Bible, we need to know what the Bible says about work. Yeah. So Thalia, you want to give us some insight there? Yeah. So if you read Genesis 1 and 2, the story of creation, of course, we'll see that God works for six days and he rests on the seventh. And in my pre-marriage classes, we always read Genesis 1 and 2, and they're all shocked that in the Garden of Eden, while it's perfect, Adam is put there to work and to keep the garden and names the animals and all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Because in our cultural view, 
work is something that we do to earn a paycheck so that we can go have fun. But in the Garden of Eden, while it's perfect, Adam is working. So that's a sort of a surprise to a lot of people. And that's where we're coming from on this podcast. Yeah. And God created Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. he said it was good. Yeah. So we know that there's value in work. We know that God intended for work to actually be a good thing. Yeah. And then what happened? Kevin, you want to talk about that? Well, uh, unfortunately, of course, uh, mankind sinned and it brought in uh, a distortion now to everything uh, that was created uh, to be good as God called it, and, and now there was a distortion that, that doesn't make work bad, but does make aspects in our view of work uh, difficult and, and definitely has some consequences. Sin has consequences to the way we work and the workplaces we work in mm-hmm. uh, that, that now uh, affect us quite deeply. And so uh, sin has for sure distorted. And so when, when we think then about, uh, well, what does that mean as, as Christians then? Uh, well, the biblical view, uh, the, the gospel story is that God uh, is a redeemer God. And mm-hmm. so he created things uh, good and perfect. And then sin has distorted that. But his, his goal and his plan has always been to bring us back to, to what his original plan was. And so uh, work, work is a good thing and it's to be redeemed just as we as, as his image bearers uh, have been distorted by our own sinful natures. Well, God is, God is seeking to redeem us. He's also working in the world to redeem work. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into uh, more about what that means and what that, what that looks like. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing because God w- worked. So he worked for six days. It was good. He's a worker. And yet we were cursed with work. How does that fit together? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So what are some of the ways, Trevor, you work with a lot of different uh, business people. What are some of the ways that you've seen this brokenness of work, the toil of work play out in our culture? Well, you know, uh, in the medieval church, they made a distinction between work and toil. So God was a worker and he mm. worked. But then, uh, you know, in monastic uh, times, uh, they said but there's a difference between work and toil. Toil is what we were cursed with. And so they said part of our um, duty as Christians is to make work be as creative and interesting as possible and reduce the toil part. And by toil, they meant things that could be done by a horse or by an animal or by wind or by water. Now we could say machines. Yeah, by machines, by automation and things like that so that people could engage at their highest level possible and not just do pure toil, which is one of the reasons that... um, uh, that our society has developed the way it has with so much automation was to give dignity to the worker mm-hmm. so that we could engage at higher levels and not just carry stones or just carry water and things like that. Animals yeah. can do that work. <laughs> so progress could be a good thing, but in that we have people who are considered like workaholics or people that work too much. For sure. Right? So in any in any way that we start to see a good thing with work, we can also see like the bad side of work. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I see, of course, there's a whole bunch of healthy people who come to work, contribute, do a great job and all that. But there's two ditches that I see. Mm-hmm. And one ditch are people who come to work and they, they don't engage, they quit and stay. So they'll stay around and pull a check because they're just working for the weekend. Yeah. And so that's one ditch. And then the other ditch is people who are so passionate about their work that uh, that's all they care about. And it, yeah. it defines who they are. Yeah. And if their work is taken from them, they're nobody. Yeah. And work is everything to them. And so I find people falling into those two ditches and they're two errors. You know, as, as Tim Keller uh, put it, um, if, if success goes to your head and failure goes to your heart, if you're a passionate workaholic, that's an idol. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you're in the other ditch where 
you know, I don't engage my work. I don't care about work. Uh, that's a big problem too, because you have a, t a wrong idea of what work is and should be. Yeah, as a Christian. As yeah. a Christian, yeah. So if Absolutely. I can add to that, Trevor, I also see that in ministry. Like we have people come to meet with us in the care department who are working in a Christian, like parachurch ministry of some sort, and they do both ditches as well. They will work passionately for their ministry, right. but it impacts their health negatively, their marriage, their family negatively, and hurts them. Right. And then we also see people that work in ministry simply for a paycheck. They right. don't really give it their all. They are not yeah. in. They just so that they can go and golf on the weekends or whatever. Yeah. And that defines every profession every probably. Profession. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Every profession has yeah. that. But... Um, you know, uh, in the medieval church, as I've done some reading, um, the idea was if you want to be hardcore for the Lord, you become a priest or you mm -hmm. become a monk. Yeah. Then if you want to be really hardcore for the Lord, then you become a monk that gives up or, you know, that embraces poverty or goes yeah. and lives on a pole or yeah. does some <laughs> yeah, outrageous sure. act. They're of, more spiritual. Yeah. If yeah. you do that, they're more spiritual. Right. Mm. And then Luther came along and said, uh, proclaimed the priesthood of all believers that actually we're all priests. And, and your work matters beyond just, you know, uh, um, uh, leaving a track behind in the lunchroom because you are the face of God to people. So he mm -hmm. said, he said, you know, God could choose to just feed you. He doesn't need a farmer to raise food for you or someone to bake bread for you, but he allows you to do that so that you can be the face of God to others. Yeah. So for those people who don't engage much in work, because maybe you don't find your work that meaningful, maybe you work in, you know, uh, maybe you work in a, you know, what we think of as a low status or low paying job. Or you would call it a job, but not a career. Yeah. Or a mech job. Yeah. A mech job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, your, 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 your work still has value because yeah. you're, you're the face of God to the customers you serve, mm -hmm. to the tables you mm -hmm. wait, to the people that you interact with. And when and, I served on yeah. the parent advisory committee at our public schools, my friends and I, who are Christians, we said, we are the hands and feet and voice of Jesus. And that was our kind of secret agenda right. in everything that we did, whether we served hot lunches or right. we helped out in the classrooms, because we were the Jesus, the people that would encounter. So you're, you're closet Lutherans. And we were, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when so, that understanding of work um, it made an explosion or a tidal wave of, of creativity and passion for work, that, uh, you know, that made our Western world what it is today. Like oh, there's yeah. a reason that refugees all clamor to come to, you know, the formerly Christian West. There's a lot of Christian memory here. And a lot of that is because of a different understanding mm -hmm. of work. Because our society was, uh, you know, when people really embraced work as a calling, then um, uh, it, it unleashed a whole new uh, world in Western uh, Europe and in North America that you don't see in other parts mm -hmm. of the world. Yeah, and if that sparks some interest for people, you can Google Protestant work ethic and a lot of stuff comes up on that. It's super interesting. Yeah, you have a book me, to recommend? Let me recommend a book, The Book That Made Your World by uh, Indian, uh, from India, intellectual Vishal Mangalwadi. He's a member of parliament. Okay. And he just talks about how not all cultures embrace work or or innovation or anything like that, that those are all Christian ideas. Oh, interesting. Pretty cool. Very interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. So we've talked a bit about how um, how work, if we, we might value it or do too much of it or not enough of it, but what about this idea, and we see this a lot, probably even more in this next generation of workers coming, of actually just working for pleasure, mm -hmm. working for the weekend, yeah. working for holidays, working for traveling. Like I hear about people who try to find a job that pays the most, but you need to spend the least amount of hours doing it so yeah. they can travel. Absolutely. Is that a Christian thing to do? Yeah. And is it a Christian thing to retire? Right. A lot of people yeah. try to retire as early as possible so that you can go and do whatever your pleasure is for the rest of your time. 
And is that a Christian, like, does that fit with the Garden of Eden, uh, with Adam being in the workforce, right in the perfect place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, th- it used to be that there was a, th- there was a time, and, and we see this in, in, in the, the, the Gnostic, the, the, the debate we find in the biblical debates about Gnosticism and, and whether or not the physical body is, is evil. And, and nowadays we have this thought that work is is that is we have now that conflict in in modern Christianity about whether or not work is a burden and mm, is, if mm-hmm. it's evil and if we should be shedding ourselves right. of it so that we can engage right. life and nature and everything God intended us to be apart and outside of work. Um, but then, but th- that's not what we see biblically when we talk about us being created as image bearers, and and we and we've mentioned that God is a worker and God is a creator. Well, then. We, we don't fully recognize who we are and can't and can't enjoy uh, God and all that he's created us to be unless we have a better understanding of who we are in God's image. Yeah. And, and by trying to shed this idea of work so that we can live in some kind of pleasureful bliss. Yeah. Uh, apart from that, that's just, it's, it's not biblical and it's not going to lead us where we want to get to ultimately. I remember when my grandma was older, she was in her late 70s or early 80s, and I would phone her and find out how she's doing. And I'd find out that she had been uh, feeding older people in the care home. And I was thinking to myself, you are an older person <laughs> right. feeding people yeah. in the care home. But for her, work was a way of honoring God. Yeah. It was a way of serving others, even till her very last breath. Yeah. And, and it's going to look huh. different. Yeah. Right? People do slow down as they get older and they should be allowed to slow down. But to have purpose through volunteer work, through volunteering at your church or in your community, yeah. there are ways to still have purpose in work. Yeah. yeah. And, and as Christians, way. you know, a, a big part of our job is to better society around yeah. us mm-hmm. and contribute to the world around us and to care for others. And that's about work. Like even practically, we've got four kids and uh, when kids play, they work. You know, they're just doing things grownups do. They're making houses and nurturing children and building cities (laughs) and fighting battles. They're working. Yeah. This is what we all do. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. Um, We have listeners and most of them work. Mm-hmm. Right, we you, you might be a student, so you're you're actually working in your studies towards towards maybe a career that you would like. Um, what can we say to our workers, our listeners, to encourage them? Even if you're retired, maybe you volunteer. Mm-hmm. Stay at home moms, stay at home dads. You are working. Yeah, they're not the the things that maybe our society calls a career. Right, but it is work and it's valuable. One All thing I would things. say is we need you. Like yeah. Trevor and I are part of the new East Abbey campus. We're in a gym, Abbotsford Christian School. And so we start setting up at six in the morning and it's done at about one thirty. And wow, do we need every single person that's attending East Abbey to work, to set up chairs, to set up coffee, to get everything organized. Like it is a lot of work. It's worth it. Yeah. I would say working is worth it for God's glory and for getting to know people and connections and all those kinds of things. But we need each person to engage. So what would you say to the person who volunteers and then actually doesn't want to do it? Well, that, that's normal. Well, that's normal, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's my everyday. Yeah, like, I don't want to make dinner. No, yeah. I don't want to clean bathrooms. I don't want to go grocery shopping, and I don't want to go pick up so and so. But I have to. So those are so, normal things to totally think. normal. Just and get over do it, it anyway. Do it anyway. Put yeah. a smile on your face. Yeah, and I would also add that you know the closer you get to what you were made to do, the yeah. less you're going to view it as working for the weekend, or the more you're going to view it True. as a passion. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, in what I do, I haven't always loved what I do. I don't love everything that I do, but I love about eighty-three percent of what I do. <laughs> yeah. And if I didn't get paid, 
Don't tell your husband this. Okay? <laughs> Hope you're not listening. If I didn't get paid, I would still do what I do because yeah. I feel quite passionate about it. And yeah. I think that especially for younger people out there, if you feel like you've got a Mick job and you're just, you know, um, you know, you're just working for the weekend or something, I think we've all been there and that's normal. And I would also encourage you to say, you know, how do I explore my, my gifts, mm-hmm. my natural gifts God has given me? Where do I fit best in the world? Yeah. What is my, what is my personality in terms of strengths and, and areas of weakness? And how do I engage best in what I'm created to do? And the degree that you get that right Will there be to the, the degree that you do really well in job performance evaluations, that you'll succeed in your career and that you'll find meaning and joy in it? And I think the same is true with yeah. volunteering. Yeah. There are things that I do that I'm very bad at yeah. and there are things that give me life. And if I can do those, I mean, you know, even setting up chairs or whatever can, can give you life. Like I think there's freedom in understanding yeah. there's someone who loves what you loathe. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And yeah. we all have things that we do well. So Absolutely. explore those and find them. And, and you might actually hate it, but you can still do it to glory, glor- bring glory to God. Yeah, sure. and yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, like I, I would speak uh, just a little bit uh, towards whether or not um, we should only be doing things we love to do and feel really good about doing and, right. and only doing sure. things that you're really good at. Because uh, there's, the, we, we run into all sorts of problems uh, uh, about pride comes into play then. We only do something because it, it gives us satisfaction. We feel proud that, that, that we can accomplish something. We can do a certain task uh, or, or we do it just because it makes us feel good and sure. we have little regard to what it does for anyone else around us. Mm-hmm. So I do, I do want to, I, I want to temper the idea uh, that we should only be doing the things that, that, that seem to fulfill us. Yeah. Um, that we, we are created to be in relationship. Yeah. And uh, relationship inside, again, inside of a sinful world that's fallen, uh, relationships will always be dif- difficult. And so work in some form will always be difficult for us. And not only that, but you may find yourself in a situation where you, you're just, you're, you're um, removed from the ability to actually do the kinds of jobs you would love to do for yeah. whatever reason. You know, you're, you're in some type of financial situation, some type of family situation, some type where, where you've been put into a corner and you don't have a lot of options. Yeah. Uh, I want to speak towards the people who are stuck in jobs that they don't find pleasure in doing. Yeah. Um, that's, that, that's an unfortunate, again, reality of a sinful world we live in. But uh, then I call out to you to say, you know, trust in a God who redeems things. Yeah. And even when you're faced inside of a job situation that you just find absolutely abhorrent, um, if, if there's no way out of it, then call on God, mm-hmm. call on God. He can, he can redeem your situation. He can still, you can, he can still f- bring pleasure and fulfillment into your life in whatever situation you find yourself, because that's what God does. And pray, because it's often oh, yes. an attitude change. Yeah. yeah. Right? I'll add an example in church work for that. So when Mark and I had little kids, we served in kids' ministry because we had little kids and they needed help, and so we taught. But it drained all life from me. Mm. It was absolutely not what I enjoy. But I chose to do a good job, Mark and I both, because we had little kids. But now, if I have an opportunity, I will please not serve in yeah. children's ministry because it drains all life from me. <laughs> but sometimes you just have to do sure. what is necessary. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's yeah. important. But if you can find an opportunity where you are doing something that where you're more gifted at, that is, sure. that's a joy. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, we're all, we're all part of the body of Christ. And if I'm a foot and I'm required to do fine motor skill surgery, <laughs> like it's not a great fit. I'd no. prefer to find something that I fit in if yeah. possible. Yeah. I think what you're saying though, Kevin, is that 
it's okay if you're in a job just for a paycheck to provide for your family. Yeah. If, like, if that's where you find yourself, if, if you that's where you right find now. yourself in life, and, and, and yeah. sometimes you, you, you honestly have to say, this is where a sovereign God has placed me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and too often, I think when, when we say, you know, we, I want to just push back a little bit against the, you know, God wants your best life now kind of teachings. Mm-hmm. Because um, that's not necessarily the case, yeah. and and sometimes you know the, our, our biggest listen, our, our biggest lessons that we learn, and part of our discipleship process is often being forced to do things that are challenging for us, that are frustrating for us, that mm-hmm. are difficult for us, because that's who that's how we learn a little bit about so that we we do have the choice. Yeah, do I want to do this or do I want to do that? Yeah. Well, now I have a little, I have something to educate for me sure. on that. Yeah, and but, most of us have to be there. Like as yeah. students, we all had to have jobs that we didn't necessarily love. They were just simply a paycheck so we could go to school and do other, pay for gas sure. and all those kinds of things. Like it is a natural stage of life. Yeah. And then sometimes it has to continue simply because we have families and need to pay bills. Mm-hmm. Right. But, yeah. but, but what is not okay, I think, is to show up as a Christian in a job that you don't love and have a bad attitude mm-hmm. and yeah. do a half effort and those sorts of things. Like I think... One thing that I find very inspiring is in, in every company that I'm engaged in, there are people there that often have no title and that don't have a quote unquote status job and yet uh, give their whole heart to mm-hmm. it. They care about the worker, their workers around them. They care about um, putting in uh, the right amount of time, not stealing time, yeah. uh, acting with integrity. And, and I, I agree with you on that, that, that I think that it's not about the job you have, it's about the heart that you bring to it. Yeah. And remembering that you are the face of God in your workplace, whatever that is. Yeah. So please acquit yourself well. Mm-hmm. Like what, what I hate seeing is, you know, cause I sit a lot in management situations and what I hate hearing is it comes up that this person is a Christian and it's known and this person is the problem at work. Oh, yeah. And I think like, ah, oh, keep it on the down low, man. I wish we did. <laughs> just just keep it yourself. Yeah. Go to church on Sunday, but don't tell anybody if you're a bad worker. Yeah. Please. Yeah, you're you're it, it affects the the way people see you, the way you work. When it reflects right? on on the Lord, right? Yeah. If you yeah. if you if you don't work well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, we are gonna wrap up here, but any last words, one final thing you wanna say for encouragement to Christian workers? Thalia? Yeah, I would say when I served in the school, in a public school system, so we couldn't easily talk about faith, God, Jesus, church, whatever, I, as a counseling background and a care pastor kind of thought, I looked for people who were hurting, looked for people who were suffering in some way, teachers or staff or parents, and I would often quietly just offer if I could pray for them. Mm-hmm. And I had so many opportunities to just quietly in the hall pray for somebody and it was a really great encouragement to me. It was a great way to be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus. So it doesn't have to be one of those bold, explain the gospel to your coworkers out loud in front of everybody. It can be just a quiet presence of who you are to other people as a Christian. Hmm. And that fits your personality oh, too. Oh, it's so great. Right. And it gave me motivation to do the toil yeah. right. that I had to do a lot as, yeah. you know, serving in the schools. Awesome. Kevin? Yeah, one of the things I'd like to uh, encourage us as Christians when we think about what's my role in my workplace, uh, unfortunately, one of the messages that's, that's really been pushed to us in, uh, in contemporary North American Christianity is that our role as a Christian in the workplace is to evangelize our coworkers. And, 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 that's, and, and that kind of is it. That, that, that's, that's the end statement towards who that's we are. That's why we work. That's why we work, right. so that we can be uh, someone there beside our coworkers then to, to give them this four spiritual laws. 
uh, and give them an opportunity to respond to Christ. I failed at so many times. Oh, yeah, sure. We all do. And then, and then when people reject us, then uh, when our coworkers reject the message, then, then what do we do? Is our, is our role now as a Christian in that particular work environment then completely null and now I don't have anything else to contribute? Right. Uh, so what I want to just encourage is say um, that that's not the only reason why we're in that place. We're, we're in that place to, to glorify God to, as, as part of a discipleship process in, in who we are as Christians and who God has created us to be, discovering that, discovering who God is, being a part of community and, and giving to, to the world around us in all the different ways we can do that. And by doing that, then we learn more about who God is and who we are, who our core workers are. But there is a place for evangelism in the workplace. And so I'll just say one more thing about that. Uh, I really want to encourage us as Christians to start to expand uh, our ability to, to uh, speak the gospel into people's lives. And by that, uh, I would say, um, if sin distorts all things, so, so then I encourage, uh, here, here's what I would ask you to do. Ask yourself, how does sin distort my workplace? How does sin distort uh, the, the people I work with, the, the industry I'm in? What does, how is sin making this difficult? What kind of burdens are we bearing that, that we shouldn't? And if the gospel were to come in and redeem my workplace, what would that look like? And, and, and what would that say to the people around me? And then speak towards those things in the lives of your coworkers and in the midst of your, of your workplace. And then you can actually be a part of the redemption process. And in doing that, then you give a voice to the gospel yeah. of what God is doing in the world. Yeah, that's great. And if you're kind of wondering what those things are that are broken in the workplace, I want to recommend an article. It just came out a couple days ago. It's called Six Reasons Work is Hard and Why It Helps to Know Them. And it's from the Gospel Coalition. Six Reasons Work is Hard and Why It Helps to Know Them. And one of the things that highlighted for me is that the enemy is at work, Mm -hmm. not just in our private lives or our social lives, but in our work lives. And there is a lie. And the lie is that work will bring you ultimate satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And people live for that. Right? So I think you're right, Kevin. That's Mm -hmm. a great, a great encouragement for us. Trevor, you're last. Uh, Well, um, a a survey came out recently and it said that over 60% of people would rather see their boss fired than get a raise. So, and the thing I liked about the survey was that it came out on National Bosses Day, which begs the question, (laughs) who made National Bosses Day? But anyway, um, whatever the validity of, of those numbers are, there are a lot of people, as Kevin said, that don't really like their work and that don't like their boss and sometimes can shut off because of that. And my encouragement uh, to fellow believers would be to just say, who actually is your boss? Because the Bible tells us we should work for the Lord, mm-hmm. not for our boss or for our company, but we're reporting to the Lord. And how would that affect how you work? How would it affect how long your coffee breaks are and whether you show mm-hmm. up on time and how you treat customers mm-hmm. if you knew that your performance evaluation was from the Lord yeah. and you were serving yeah. him out of gratitude, mm-hmm. not because you're forced to work for the weekend. Yeah. yeah, and you can't good. control everybody because, and a lot of people that you work with aren't Christians, so they're not going to live to yeah. that standard. We have to remember that, right? But yeah, in fact, you can't even control anybody. No, nope. <laughs> I can't even control myself, <laughs> yeah. let alone anybody yeah. else. Um, I want to read First Corinthians ten verse thirty one. It says, "Whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God." Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, Kevin, can you pray for our listeners as we close? We'd love to. Thanks, our Lord. We thank you that. Um, you did create us in your image, and, uh, and you have revealed yourself to us in your word so that uh, we know who you are, and you revealed yourself in your son, Jesus Christ, and that now gives us uh, a firsthand glimpse of who you are, and then we can begin to understand who we are uh, in you, 
and that you have called us uh, to to reflect your image and to be a light in this world uh, and in the places we work and in the way we work. And I pray, Lord, that you would just put a blessing upon all those who call upon your name and seek to follow you in in the ways that they work and in how they work. I I ask that you would continue to uh, be at work in redeeming the world and your creation, and may your name continue to be glorified. 